So glad that you all came tonight. I hope that you're enjoying the Christmas season, uh, family and friends and others. I know for some people, the Christmas time can be rather depressing. It represents just negative stuff. And so for you, we just pray that God will be your source of comfort and strength in this season. For others, it's a time of joy and celebration. But for all of us, it's a time to come together and celebrate the, the birth of Christ. If you're visiting for the first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. I'm Greg Boyd, the teaching pastor here at Woodland Hills Church. It's just good to come together this time of year. And we're going to reflect a little bit upon the meaning of this season. In fact, I want to entitle this, Chris, this Christmas reflection, and then we'll go into some more uh, worship in a little bit. But I want to title this Christmas reflection really a, a prayer. It's a prayer. This whole message is one long prayer. And simply, Lord, open our eyes. In fact, I think it would be appropriate to start with that very prayer. Lord, open our eyes right here, right now, in this time, in this place, to see maybe what we've forgotten or maybe what some have never seen, and that is what this really means, what it really means, what it means that you became a human being, what it means for our life, what it means for our relationships. God, remove the scales from our eyes and from our hearts to really see and to really receive you in all of your magnificent glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Lord, open our eyes. In the Gospel of John, we read this. It's really a Christmas proclamation. He starts by saying that the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is God as he faces us. The Word means revelation. He's referring to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, he goes on and he says um, that the Word was made flesh, humanity, and made his dwelling with us. So you do the math. God became a human being. God, who was the Word, the Word was made flesh. God became a human being. And that really is the central proclamation throughout the entire New Testament. That's what this season, obviously, is all about. God became a human being. Not a high archangel, not, not some other created cosmic being. God himself became a human being. He didn't just pretend to be a human being, put on human flesh and go through the motions. He really became a human being. And if we even a little bit get what that means and get the magnificence of it, well, we'll, we'll see immediately that, that this, is, this is the most incredible, mind-boggling, super fantastic, uh, outrageously beautiful proclamation that's ever been made. God became a human being. It doesn't get better than that. It's, it's just unfathomably, incomprehensibly beautiful and profound and mysterious and wonderful. The greatest truth ever spoken. What is profoundly odd and disturbing is that we have managed as a culture, and this isn't a new thing, this has been going on for for actually several centuries, but that beautiful, incomprehensibly fantastic proclamation has become almost passe. God became a human being. It's sort of a, a seasonal greeting. You know, a kind of a hallmark moment. God became a human being. To the point where, you know, we almost want to respond to it in terms of a culture with a sort of like, oh, that's nice. How sweet. God became a human being. Cool. God became a human being. Whoa. Let's decorate a Christmas tree. God became a human being. Let's go shopping. 
It's become like old news. Like, oh yeah, of course, duh. We all know that. And something serious has gotten lost in the translation. In fact, to be honest with you, in preparing for this Christmas Eve service, this message, and this isn't the first time this has happened, I felt a kind of a pressure that is so bizarre to think about. But, like, we've heard this so many times before. Christmas, yeah, we get it. You know, Mary, uh, shepherds, magi, star in the sky, got that. How do you make it new? How do you make it interesting? And then it occurs to me that there's something profoundly sad about the idea that you have to somehow spice up the proclamation that God became a human being. Like, it wasn't good enough on its own. (laughs) Something's seriously wrong here. In fact, how can you spice up the proclamation that God became a human being? It already is as good as it gets. Why should it need spicing up? Even if you could spice it up. See, there's something, like, why would there be that kind of pressure? You know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah and several other places a spirit of slumber or sleepiness that can come on people. In fact, humanity as a whole is afflicted with it. It's a spirit of dullness, an oppressive sort of thing, where you can't see what you're supposed to see and you can't hear what you're supposed to hear and your heart isn't open to what your heart is supposed to be open to. And I, I almost feel like the spirit, a spirit of slumber has, at least as a whole in, in, in the West, come upon us when it comes to this Christmas story. This magnificent, outrageously beautiful proclamation that God became a human being, and we go sort of, of course, we're bored with it. Oh, tender moment, nostalgic, or, or something of the sort. It's like our eyes have gotten tired, our ears have gotten tired We don't see the beauty of this. And therefore, it doesn't impact, doesn't transform us. Hence, the prayer of this message is, Lord, open our eyes to see this. Open our eyes to see this. I just felt like what God would have us do this night is just dwell on this fact, this proclamation, this truth. God became a human being and let it impact us. And to pray, God, remove whatever blinders we have on our eyes and our ears and our hearts. So we can really see and hear and receive and be transformed by the baby Jesus and the kingdom that he brought. So I want to enter into this. Now, the, the beauty, the, the, the mystery and wonder of this Christmas message of the truth that God became a human being is found in a contrast. The contrast is between God on the one hand and a human being on the other. God became a human being. The reason why that's beautiful is that there's an infinite distance between those two. God is really big, and human beings are really small. God is infinite. Human beings are are not. We're very, very finite. And so for God to become a human being, it's, it's the ultimate paradoxical, beautiful statement in the universe. But to get that, we have to enter into the greatness of God. So I want to do I want to dwell on this for a little bit. The greatness of God who became this little baby. Now, for me, the, the, the best way I have for accessing the awesomeness and greatness and bigness of God is by thinking about the universe and thinking about the stars. It says this in Psalms. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. They shout it out. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Look what I've done. Psalms 33 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He just spoke them. Be. The starry host, by the breath of his mouth, he breathed them out. The starry host, all the stars, he breathed into being. Nothing, for me, declares or or captures the awesomeness, the greatness of God like 
like talking about the stars. So, on this Christmas Eve, we're going to have a little astronomy lesson, all right? Kids, listen up. We're going to have an astronomy lesson. Let's talk about the universe. Let's talk about how big it is. Let's talk about how many stars there are. When you're talking about the size of the universe, you can't measure it the way you measure most things. You can't, like, talk about inches and feet and yards and miles. You have to talk about light years. A light year is how fast light, light photons, travel in one year. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. 186 miles per second. If you have a flashlight and you go up to the top of Mount Everest and you shine it in one direction, that light will circle the entire Earth eight times in one second. The Earth is 24,000 miles in circumference, so that's a lot of distance. Think about it. One second. It takes me 22 hours on an airplane to get to Australia. It, it travels super fast. And, and the amount of distance it covers in one year is a light year. Uh, it, it's roughly, it's just under 6 trillion miles. Six tri- now, to get an idea about a trillion, it's hard for us to get our minds around a trillion, though we've been trying in the last couple of years with the national debt. The trillion's a lot. <laughs> so think about this, and the analogy will fit. Here's the way to think about a trillion. If you had dollar bills and you stacked them on top of one another... You could go to the sun, which is 92, 93 million miles away, go to the sun, and then back, and a third of the way there again, and that would be a trillion dollars. That's a lot to dollars, which makes you kind of be odd about the debt and stuff. But that's a, for a different message. Um, so trillions a whole lot, and light travels six trillion miles in a year. Okay, now let's apply this to the universe here. Our closest neighbor, the, the closest star, the closest sun, because that's what the stars are, giant suns, is uh, Proxima Centauri, Centauri. Can we lower the lights here so we can get a, a better uh, picture of this on the screen? I can pull back the lights a little bit. It is 4.2 light years away, which is just under 24 trillion miles. Our fastest traveling rocket, if it left right now, it would take 73,000 years to get there, our closest neighbor in our galaxy. If, if, if that rocket left when Christ was born, it would still have 71,000 years to go. It would have only covered a fraction of the distance. The heavens declare the glory of God. He breathed this into existence. That, uh, that neighbor of ours, Proxima Centauri, is, is part of our galaxy. This galaxy is this oval-shaped thing. Uh, it's a hundred, no, it's a, it's a million light years across. So if you have a flashlight on one end and you shine it, it'll take a million years traveling 186,000 miles per second to get to the other, other side. It's a, hundred, it's a million years across. It's about 20,000 light years uh, in, in thickness. It's got a hundred billion suns, hundred billion stars. So if you take our sun and multiply it by hundred, okay, now we have a hundred suns. Now multiply that whole thing by a million. Now multiply it by another million, and that's how many stars are in our galaxy. Our galaxy is spinning. And if you do it to the scale of the universe, it's spinning quite fast. But from our perspective, it takes 250 million years to have one rotation around the center of this galaxy. We're kind of out there in the outer third. If you look closely, you can kind of see us. Wave. Way out there. That means when our solar system was roughly in this position last time, 250 million years ago, the dinosaurs were just starting to peep, peep their heads around. That's a long time ago. Our sun is a very big thing. You can fit a million of our Earths into the sun. 
But we're told that two-thirds of all the suns out there in our galaxy and throughout the universe are larger than our sun. There are some suns out there that are thousands of times bigger than our sun. We know one in the Orion uh, constellation where that is a million times bigger than our sun. Uh, you could fit the better part of our whole solar system into this one sun. And that's the, we're just talking about our galaxy. Now, they tell us, so far as they can estimate, that there are as many galaxies out there with all of these billions of stars. There are as many galaxies out there as there are stars in our galaxy. In other words, there's 100 billion or more galaxies. I suspect that in, in, in 50 years, they'll be looking back at that number and laughing at how small it was because we just discovered uh, not too long ago that there's five times as many as we thought before. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. But think about it. Let's stick with that number. 100 billion galaxies. Some of these galaxies are much bigger than our galaxy. There are some galaxies that have up to a trillion. A trillion. Remember how big a trillion is? A trillion suns in them, in the galaxy alone. And there's 100 billion of those galaxies. The average distance between the galaxies, average, is 3 million light years. That's why it's mostly space out there. Three million light years between galaxies. Remember, it would take us 73,000 years in our fastest rocket ship to get to our closest neighbor. And here there's 300 million light years between these galaxies. Altogether, they estimate that there's 10 billion trillion stars. 10 billion trillion suns out there. Two-thirds of them bigger than ours. The heavens declare the glory of God. He spoke this all into existence. Altogether, the universe is, they estimate, 150 billion light years across and 13.7 billion light, uh, years old. God breathed this all into existence. In fact, the Bible says he holds the creation in the palm of his hand. That whole 150 billion light year uh, span of this universe is, is like a little microchip in the palm of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. He breathes that into existence. He holds that in existence moment by moment. All the 10 billion trillion stars are right there in the palm of his hands. God is very, very, very big. So Lord, open our eyes to enter into this greatness, the greatness of our God who became a human being. This God, this creator became a little baby, a little fetus inside the womb of a teenage Jewish girl in the first century. The God who spoke the billions of galaxies and billions of stars, the 10 billion trillion stars into existence, he became a little fetus. You can think of it like this. God who created all of this, spoke it into existence. He cared enough about these little tiny people on this little tiny planet in this little tiny solar system in this far off galaxy, just one of, of, of billions. He cared about them, though they were rebels, enough to become one of them. He zooms into our existence. He zooms into this womb. The infinite God becomes finite in the womb of this peasant Jewish girl and becomes a little fetus. He does it all out of love. He takes on our humanity. The God who's infinitely large makes himself microscopically small, becomes this little unborn child. The omnipotent God who's got all the power. He becomes, not just pretends, but he becomes. He actually becomes this, 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 this helpless little baby. This God who's all-knowing. He knows everything. But here he becomes. He enters into the life of this little child who knows nothing more than I'm cold and I'm hungry. This God who's self-sufficient, really doesn't need anything to survive. He becomes this vulnerable little child where now he has to nurse at the breasts of his mother. This God who, who is omnipresent. He's at all places at all times. 
Yet he, he crams himself, as it were, into this seven pound, 14 ounce, or however big and, and, and however much he weighed, in this little baby. God does this. The all glorious God, the all glorious God, takes on the shame of being born as an illegitimate child in the first century, which was no small stigma. And, and then he takes on the shame of the sin of humanity on the cross. God, the infinite God, becomes this. The all-glorious God takes on our shame. The exalted God becomes this humble. It, it's, it's when you grasp how great God is, and by thinking of the universe, the 150 billion light years across, the billions and billions of galaxies with billions and billions of stars, all that in the palm of his hand, that God zooms in, becomes one of us. Well, you can't find words to express that. It, to say that it's awesome doesn't quite do it. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. It's mind-boggling. It's unfathomable. It's almost unbelievable. And it would be unbelievable except for one all-important fact. And that is the biblical proclamation that as great as his power is displayed in the sky, in the stars, in the galaxies, his love outshines even that. As powerful as he is, he's, his, love, his love is towards us in becoming a baby Something of what the 150 billion uh, light years across the universe is in terms of displaying his glory. His love outshines his power. And it's his love that takes his God who is infinite in, in size, if you will, and leads him to become small for a race of rebels who could have deserved it less. It says this in Psalms 108. For great is your love, higher than the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies, higher than the heavens. How do you get that? As at least 150 billion light years, your love is greater than that. The, you know, it reminds me of a game we used to play with our kids. I'm sure some of you have played this game where you know, the parent says, you know, I love you. And, and the child will go, well, I love you more. So you go, oh, yeah, well, I, I love you this much. And the kid goes, oh, yeah, I love you this much. So you go, oh yeah, well, I, I, I love you up to the clouds. I love you that much. And your child goes, well, I love you to the moon. I love you to the moon. And you go, well, I love you to the sun. And the child, if, if had a class in astronomy, goes, I love you up to the stars. I, I love you that much. And then you respond by saying, well, I love you to infinity. And whoever gets to say that wins the game. And that's how it goes. You, you run out of objects. I love you to infinity. I love you this much. I couldn't love you more. I just want to squish you. I love you to infinity. That's kind of the game God's playing here. That's kind of the game that God is playing with us. Are you impressed with all those stars? Well, I, I love you more than that. You impressed by how, how big this universe is? I love you more than that. You're impressed by a galaxy that is a hundred or a million light years across? It's nothing compared to how much I love you. You're impressed with the 50 trillion billion stars that are out there? That's nothing compared to how much I love you. God is saying, I love you with the love of 150 billion light years. I love you more than the speed of light. I love you more than all the supernovas in the universe put together. I, I, I love you more than the expanse of the sky, the number of stars, the planets that might be out. I take all that together, and my love outshines that. Which means that when we're looking at the baby Jesus, if our eyes are open, if our hearts are open, and Lord, help us to see this, we're seeing something even more magnificent than all the pictures I just showed there. We're seeing something, God's, God's glory and, 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 and character is displayed more in his becoming small than in his putting on display his largeness. Which is why, by the way, if you begin to think about this, if you, if, if you trust this, 
The idea that your sin could snuff out God's love is simply silly. It's silly. You know, you're giving your sin a little too much credit. Now, it, it could be really bad. I'm sure we got magnificent sinners listening to this message right now. And, and to give credit where credit's due. Wow, you really you know, screwed that up. Uh, you know, but, but it doesn't come... You're like, you're like, if you think you can snuff out God's love with, 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 your, with your cheating or your, your gossip or your adultery or your screwed up marriages or your abortion or your murder, if you think you can snuff out God's love, it's like a snowflake playing chicken with the sun. Who's going to knock who out of orbit here? You don't stand a chance. You're talking about the God who made this universe, who just spoke it into existence, who holds it all in the palm of his hands. You don't stand a chance. It's bad, for sure. But if you'll let him and just let that love in a little bit and let that light start shining, it's going to melt that away and you'll be a transformed creature. And that's what the kingdom is, 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 is all about. It's what it's all about. Now, you don't stand a chance. When we look at the baby Jesus, if we understand that God became a human being, Lord, open our eyes. We'll see in this child, he's, he, he is the ultimate supernova of God's love. Here we see the character of God put on display. The greatest display of glory that there is. God became a human being. You can't get better than that. And yet, here's the craziness. We're bored with it. A lot of us are. God became a human being. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. God became a human being. Happy holidays. Let's go decorate the Christmas tree. It's become old stuff. Our eyes have gotten old. Our ears, our heart, we've gotten weary with it somehow. Somehow that spirit of slumber, that spirit of sleepiness has come upon us. We've been afflicted with this. And see, here's the thing. If we're no longer awed, overwhelmed by the truth that God became a human being, then what can we be overwhelmed with? What can we be awed with? And that same spirit of slumber that causes us to have a dull, a dull mind and heart towards the baby Jesus, that sees it as sort of just normal, sort of in a course, a holiday hallmark moment, that same spirit, well, it, it dulls us to everything. When we no longer can capture the mystery and the beauty of God becoming a human being, well then, before long, uh, the stars stop being awesome. They're just stupid things that twinkle in the sky. We're no longer even impressed with that. That's just normal. And the clouds don't no longer move us. They just block the sun, you know. And, and, and the new falling snow, there's such a wonder and a beauty there. But all we see, and I really understand this right now for sure, but, but, but all we see is a bunch of stuff we've got to remove and a pain in the back and it makes us cold. And we, and we lose that, that, the eyes that can capture mystery all around us because God's glory is, is all around us. The beauty of, of wind whistling through the trees. And then even more tragically, when we lose our capacity to see beauty and wonder and to be in awe, when we lose the eyes of a child because we've just gotten so accustomed to things and we christen them just as normal, God becoming a human being is just normal. Stars, clouds, all that's just normal. Well, then what happens is we start looking at each other as just normal. We start taking everything for granted. We lose our capacity to look at our spouse of five or 50 years and, 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 and actually see them and all of their uniqueness and all of their beauty, and we stop appreciating them because we're just so used to them. And we do the same thing with our kids. They're just their kids. And maybe we say, yeah, good job or something, but we don't see them in all of their unique, the unique way that they display the creativity and beauty and glory of God. When we can no longer see the, the wonder and beauty of the Christ child, we stop being able to see the beauty and wonder of everything. And the truth is that all around us, there's this beauty and wonder. The beauty of our kids and friends and, and the miracle of laughter and moments that can be shared together. And life just becomes one drudgery after another, one boring sequence after another. Everything's normal. Everything's mundane. Everything's boring. Everything is ho-hum. 
We're sleepwalking. There's a spirit of slumberness, of sleepiness that's overcome us. Sleepwalking, and that is, that, that is about as close of a picture of hell as I can imagine. All around us, there's this miracle. Elizabeth Browning says this. She's a great poet. And she says, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around, sit around it and pluck blackberries. What an image. Referring to the burning bush that Moses confronted Yahweh in. But all around us, there is that. The God who crammed himself, as it were, into the baby Jesus, crams himself to our existence all around us, in the stars, in the clouds, in the breeze, in the snow, in our spouse, in our children, in our family, in our friends. We're surrounded by this miracle, but see, if our eyes are tired and our ears are tired and our minds are tired, we just think it's all just normal. We don't see. We don't see. We're not impacted by it. And this message is, is, a, is tonight a clarion call for us to wake up and to say, God, help us wake up. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Open our minds to see the magnificence, unspeakable magnificence that you became a human being. And then like a, like a bomb reverberating throughout our world to then be able to see the, the, the miracle of, of the, the, the beauty in your spouse and your children and your family and your friends and, so, and never take any of it for granted. None of us ho-hum. All of it is packed with God if we'll open up our eyes and look and receive it. God, open up our eyes. Open up our eyes. Help us escape the tyranny of quote-unquote normal. I'll close just by offering two things that help me to stay awake. One is this. One is this, and it's, it's really foundational to everything. This is, a, this is, a, this is a, just a truth to live by. You can never, your eyes will never see what your heart doesn't want to see. Your eyes will never see what your heart doesn't want to see. We see just not with physical eyes. We see with our spirit. We see with our heart. I just came across a quote uh, the other day uh, from the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud. I just love it. It says, we see, the, we see things not as they are but as we are. What you see reflects at least as much about you as what's out there. And so the, the starting point for waking up and living life awake and with open eyes is to open up your heart to what this whole season is about. Even if you don't understand it, even if you can't see the beauty of it yet, if there's any part of you that says yes to it, then submit. Open your heart up to the love that was manifested in Jesus Christ. Which means you surrender your life over to him. You, you submit your, 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 your life to the, the Lord of love. And you proclaim him Lord. It just means you turn over the steering wheel of your life to him. You're no longer going to control your own thing, do your own thing. No, you're going to commit to living life the way he has taught us to live life and start a relationship with him. Surrender. And see, as you surrender and submit, you give your eyes permission to start to see. And you begin to capture the magnificence of the truth that God, the big God, capital G, the creator, became this little fetus, and he did it out of love for you. And that means you are loved with the love of all the supernovas in the universe, and then some. So if it starts by submitting. The second thing is simply this. Ask God to keep you awake. Because the reality is we can't keep ourselves awake. If you're asleep, you can't make yourself wake up. <laughs> no, no. We need, we, here we are. Uh, we, we have to rely on the grace of God. And so... We have to learn to live with a disposition. Lord, wake us up. In fact, even that act of submitting to Christ that I just talked about, it's not like one thing you can do. 
one, one evening and then coast the rest of your life. Our life orientation has to be submitting and resubmitting because we always have a tendency to take it back. So also we need to cultivate a habit of asking God to keep us awake, keep our eyes open. At all times, in all places, tonight when you're with family and friends or wherever you may be, just ask God to keep you awake, to really look, to not take anything for granted, to not take anyone for granted. There's here, there's now, and it's all you've got. So look, ask God to take away the scales, to see like a little child. And so you appreciate your loved ones. You appreciate your kids. And the stars just don't twinkle, and the clouds don't just block the sun, and the snow isn't just heavy stuff you've got to remove. No, you, see, you see the way it all reflects God's glory. It all does. We just have eyes to see. And so you cultivate an attitude. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Open our eyes. Now, I'm going to end with that prayer in the form of a song. A lot of you know the song. So, so pray it with me. Sing it as a prayer. And if you don't know a song, just pray it. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus and all of his magnificence, not as a Hallmark greeting card, but as God become a human being. Open our eyes, Lord. Pray it with me here. Sing with me. Open our to see